and welcome to our Company Watch On The Spot podcast. This is the second episode that we're recording on Thursday, the 13th of January. I'm Joe Kettner. I'm CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Good morning, Joe. So today we are going to focus in particular on inflation, which I think has been in the news well, pretty much for, for most of the last six months or so. But really, I think things are starting to, to hot up in terms of both the numbers that are, um, are starting to come out and also in the kind of central bank um, approaches to, to try and, um, and bring this under some kind of control. And we've, we've still got those, those two camps, uh, the, the transitory camp and the camp that's worried about stagflation. And you know, we're going to try and pick, unpick some of the numbers and what we think this might mean um, as, we, as we go into 2022. Um, so, Nick, shall we start off then with the, let's, should we look at the UK numbers, um, first of all, for, for inflation? Right. Um, yes. Um, these came out uh, in the middle of December, so pre, pre-Christmas, and um, uh, immediately before the Bank of England took a, took a deeply surprising uh, decision about interest <laughs> rates, which maybe we'll come back to. Yeah, um, indeed. But uh, the um, CPI measure... Hit. Which is now the official stats. I mean, I, again, I'm kind of old fashioned enough to think about RPI, but CPI is the is the measure that we we look at, isn't it? These days, which means, despite the fact that the uh, ONS persistently only comments on CPIH, H. including housing, which is very irritating if if, if you're an analysis um, nerd like me, um, and listeners may want to guess which one, which which of those three numbers is the lowest of the of the numbers <laughs> that um, comes out. <clears throat> I leave that. Yes, <laughs> so CPI in November hit. And um, it's all the usual um, culprits. Of of course, it's um, energy costs, Mm -hmm. it's um, secondhand cars, petrol, of course, um, and uh, but also upward pressures um, pretty much right across all goods and services, particularly food and clothing. Um, which, uh, you know, as a number of people have said, does imply that, uh, you know, this is broad price pressure across the economy, and it's mm. difficult to see why. You know, you can you can imagine that the eventually the, the increase in the cost of petrol <clears throat> will drop out, and I suppose there's a point at which um, uh, President Putin's um, impact on our on our home energy costs and business energy costs mm. um, will, and and at some point the chip shortage in the um, automobile um, manufacturing sector will sort itself out. So some of these things um, are... Presumably even the, 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 the clothing and, and, and food pressures is to do with supply chain um, disruption to a degree and impacts of Brexit, I guess, from the, from the food um, point of view. So you're right. I suppose that's, we, are, we would expect this to... Um, to, to work itself out. The thing I, I found quite interesting, and I, and I was looking at the um, CPIH um, numbers again, as you say, that those are the ones that are, are kind of screaming on the um, ONS website. But we, and I think we've talked about this before. If you look back to November 2020, it was 0.6% inflation. Mm-hmm. And now we're up to, to, for that measure, it's 4.6. And so you think, well, actually, if you, if you look at the, if you look at a, a kind of base level index and you look at the, the kind of performance across the period, that, that kind of averages out. I'm sure that I'm not 
applying the, the best of statistics here, but on a kind of broad layman's terms, that's kind of averaging out around the 2% mark. But I guess as your point is that these 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 costs become kind of baked in, don't they? And it's and it's the expectation of inflation, I think, is so worrying. Is that, you know, there's there's some interesting commentary about, you know, if you look at in the UK, we're starting to this being quite a broad-based um sector impact you know there's inflation across the sectors in the us i think it is it does tend to be more to do with um energy prices and the used car um, market uh, for example but there is a sense that once the expectation of inflation is embedded it that becomes a kind of self-fulfilling yes um cycle doesn't it yes and and again it's it's quite interesting um the uh, the, the disconnect between what has been happening for a very long time now <clears throat> and what um, the Bank of England has been predicting and what economists have been expecting, to be honest, because everybody's being constantly caught out by this. Mm. Um, you see, the, the Bank of England was originally, I mean, relatively recently, still expecting inflation to peak at 5% um, in spring this year. Mm. And we're at 5.1% in November. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, the IMF uh, said in, in, in the middle of December, now expected UK inflation to peak at 5.5%. But as you know, uh, somebody, uh, a number of economists comment, commented, you know, economists have been surprised almost every month this year by inflation rising faster than they thought. Um, and another economist is now saying 6% in April. Was, wow. is a peak, but I actually want to slip quietly away from CPI briefly and just remind everybody that um, quite a lot of the economy <clears throat> and quite a lot of government borrowing is still linked to the old RPI measure, which in November was 7.1%. Wow. That's wow. the highest on that measure since March 1990. <clears throat> And think about contracts as well. I think a lot of commercial contracts have RPI, RPI. Um, inflation baked into them in, in some ways. And when that's very low, that's not, not particularly that's material. Right. But 7% it starts becoming hugely material and has impacts you know, across, the, across the board, doesn't it, in terms of... Um, well, well, it- well it well it does and and uh, you know if we can just move i mean i know we have a consumer um, <clears throat> dominated economy so cpi is really important just step back further down the food chain the november rate of manufacturing input price rise was 14.3% and the the prices charged by manufacturers up the chain mm-hmm. was 9.1% so that is coming down the track. That those are the trains yeah. coming down the uh, track. One, one, the, the the input price one is chasing uh, the manufacturer down the tunnel, and the manufacturer's price rise is 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 chasing the, the consumer down the, the rest tunnel. of us. Mm. You know, so I, I think it's a, but it's an interesting it's an interesting time. If we can move across to the US, um, inflation. Um, Seven percent in December. This 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 was announced that was uh, yesterday, wasn't it? I think yesterday. Um, I think it was. That's the highest rate since June nineteen eighty two. Take you back far enough. Um, <clears throat> that was um, when Ronald Reagan was president. <laughs> <clears throat> and um, 
and we've now got uh, you know the federal government cracking down on large U.S. meat packers, with, um, blaming them for pushing up the cost of beef and 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 poultry, and and that rise in the in the CPI rate in America to seven percent was driven twenty nine percent surge in energy costs mm. over the previous year, and a six point three percent jump in food prices. And, and even if you strip out the things that we all accept um, are temporary, you know, fuel, fuel yeah. um, prices, and energy costs, and food um, mm-hmm. as well, uh, inflation in December in the States was still 5.5%. Mm-hmm. Still 5.5%. And that's where you get um, some very interesting comments from some very important, some quite important people talking about where this trend is heading. So we're back to the, is it transitory, is it? Because let's remember that it's a central bank, isn't it? But central banks across the world that are meant to be charged with keeping inflation in check. So we're looking to them to do something. And that that is the kind of issue, isn't it? That is the, the commentary is around, have they still got the ability to control well, this? Yes, it was a very interesting article, which I was um, attempting to praise it for you mm. <coughs> earlier. And let's not try and do it here because it, 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 it's a complex. very, very long article, complex article, was effectively saying that one of the um, the issues as we look forward is that the central banks, the Fed and the Bank of England you know, particularly, have been so awfully far behind the curve with inflation that there is a real issue with credibility. And, <clears throat> I mean, not least, you know, a, a look at the Bank of England who you know, dug their toes in in November and didn't raise interest rates when everybody expected them to. And so some market speculators got quite badly burnt <clears throat> because of that. And, and then in December, when everybody was saying, hang on a minute, don't you want to see what Omicron's doing to the economy before? And no, hey-ho. <clears throat> and so what we've now got is the Fed in the States um, having predicted that there may not be pri- uh, interest rate rises until 2023, the speculation is there will now be four interest mm. rate hikes in 2022, adding up to a 1% yeah. uh, <clears throat> rise. So the issue there is there comes a point where central banks may not anymore be in control of monetary policy. Mm. And kind of, and, and, and because the levers that they're pulling are not having the impact in the market that they want them to have. Is that that? Yes, yes because the markets are basically saying we don't believe a word. Mm. You know, you, you've kept saying this and doing that. And, and of course, bear in mind that, you know, the, the Fed is about to go into reverse and stop printing money and start, yeah. and start trying to reduce their... Um, their QE um, uh, pile, and I think the markets might punish them quite badly on that. So, um, but going back briefly to this, the states, very interesting comment from uh, Jamie Dimon, the chief executive of JP Morgan, um, who commented um, that there was huge pressure on the US labor market for the first time in his lifetime, <clears throat> his working lifetime. Quote, the price of labor's going up, we're just gonna have to deal with it. Um, and of course, this is this is the uh the issue here too, because just as the uh labor market is very tight in in, in America, so it is here too. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> you know, you, you there were some figures out uh also in the middle of <clears throat> last month showing that the impl- unemployment rate in the UK 
down to 4.2%, which makes it uh, down from 4.6% from the previous quarter. Um, it's down from 5.1% a year back, mm-hmm. uh, but it's still above pre-pandemic, but only just, <clears throat> only just. And if you look at the, you've got a very tight labour market, um, 1.2 million vacancies, a record figure. Wow, yeah, it's enormous. The number of hours being worked is rising, but it's still significantly below where it was mm. pre-pandemic. So as the Resolution Foundation put it um, quite succinctly, um, there aren't enough people working and they're not do- they're not and they're not working hard. Working enough. <laughs> well, yeah. hard enough is unfair. I mean, they're working as they're working hard when they're required. Yeah. So we've got tight labour markets. And we know that that is one of the, the, those things that the Bank of England watches really um closely, isn't it? It's the it's the, the, the wage, um, the pressure on wages is one of their their key um key metrics. And so presumably we are expecting the bank's policy to be informed by um by this labor market. The, the other thing interesting thing I wanted to come back to, because of course we, we've talked about this on the podcast before, um, is the issue of stagflation. Um yes. which you know you have these these two these two teams, you have like team transitory and team stagflation. On the on the on the stagflation um, side, that's when you have kind of little or no growth plus rising inflation. And, and you pointed out that the GDP numbers in the UK have been revised. Um, they have. They have. Downwards. Q3, Q3 2021, and the ONS says the economy grew not by 1.3% as they first thought, but by 1.1%. <clears throat> so, I mean, that's for a, for a quarter under this um, in in a recovery bounce back situation, isn't very impressive. And and then you've got the and bear in mind that that's Q three, so that's ending um, in September, and that was when quite a lot of the economy was was opening okay. up. Now, of course, we had the pandemic, which you know dampened um, dampened things um, somewhat. But but even so, you know that was that was meant to be. A good quarter. I think one point three was already under ex- expectations. Under expectation, and now we've got um, in a in a survey released um, uh, fairly fairly recently, the British Chambers of Commerce, um, the their head of economics is saying that they they expect that um, growth will be negative in Q one, twenty twenty two. So if we haven't got stag. Inflation, we're very, very close to it. Yeah. And that is not a nice place to uh, not a nice place to be. So Nick, any any final um final thoughts as we I feel like we've started the year on <laughs> not looking um like a, 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 a cheery note. But I think that it's it is really important to um, you know, I suppose actually the other thing we could we look about is insolvencies and yes. You know, as, as we said before, we're, we're seeing an, an awful lot of um, the voluntary uh, liquidations sure. still not really, you know, with the with the winding up petition um, only being lifted in at the end of September and that that kind of period, the negotiation period, we're not yeah. really seeing that kind of flowing through. Uh, and, and one has got to imagine that a lot of these li- voluntary liquidations are liquidations that otherwise may have been taken through some process. Um Yes, it's, so, it's possible. I mean, the, the corporate insolvencies in November uh, rose by uh, 18.7% month on month uh, and, and 88% on a year ago, but um, 2020s uh, yeah, are not, not relevant. It's interesting that the um, uh, UK insolvency umbrella uh, you know, trade association, R3, um, says 
monthly increase in corporate insolvencies driven by a rise in voluntary liquidations, as Joe says, mm-hmm. highest to the highest number in more than two and a half years for that type. And the increase in the use of this process suggests that a rising number of company directors are choosing to close their businesses, perhaps because they feel that survival is impossible in the current climate. Which is which, which is very sad, and I have to tell you mm. that's what I'm picking up from my insolvency contacts um, uh, net, uh, and, and network uh, on that. That you know, whilst they're not busy, they are busier yeah. than they were. So I think I think for our our listeners who are on the credit risk side side of the um, of the table, the answer is um, what, you know watch your risk very carefully, and if you're in procurement and supply chain, just make sure your supply chain integrity isn't going to be impacted when that um, when that number rises further God. for insolvencies. Yeah, and talking to people, you know, really talking, understanding the critical, which is not always that spend. You know, we we talked about this lots and lots of times, but you know, the number of, of times you hear of, of smaller companies being so critical in the the supply chain is just understanding how those businesses are doing and you know if there are other support there's a really interesting we, we might share that on the um ft i think it might have been over over the christmas um period on the the supply chain the kind of changes in in global supply chain from being this just in time to just in case method so kind of much moving much yep. closer into you know local markets and so on which is kind of interesting read i'm sure it's probably familiar to to lots of our our listeners so that 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 would be something to to share yeah and one and one last plea to our listeners just remember and i know i go on about this that we are supposed to despite the the british chambers of commerce saying we're going to have a rough old q1 now we are going to see growth in 2022 unless something awful happens sorry even more awful happens Mm. and growth is dangerous more companies are killed by uncontrolled growth after a, a corporate after a financial correction whether it's a recession or a pandemic or whatever else than any other course so again look at your risks and if um, your receivables are from companies that are growing fast beware and if your supply chain is uh, is now suddenly dominated by companies that you're overwhelming with um, with Orders, business because yeah. you can't put it anywhere else. Just remember what that might do to them. So, end of end, end, end of soap here rant. Yeah, here is end of the lecture. But yeah, a, a very good and timely reminder. Well, Nick. As always, pleasure. Thank you so much. Really nice to, to kick off the, the um, new series with a, with a look on inflation. To everybody, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.